0: That's my hope through this series that we're starting today, is that our, we keep our eyes focused on Him. And it's difficult to do that when there are so many different things that distract us, isn't it? It's, it's easy to lose hope, it's easy to struggle in life, to let that anxiety sort of be the thing that we're focusing on instead of focusing on God. And it's really easy for one little tiny fly on a screen to totally distract you, isn't it? I, I turn to my wife, and I'm like, that thing is, is, Roy, lower the screen, would you? Can you lower the screen? I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, yeah, shoot. He'll be back, won't he? Okay. See, here's the thing, when we, when we sense ourselves losing hope, when we sense ourselves losing the joy and the peace in our life, we need to make sure that we know where to turn when that happens. Because if we continue to keep our eyes at our shoelaces and we don't look up, um, those, those feelings, that, that lostness can have devastating effects in our life. You see, we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. I mean, hope is here. It's here now. Um, I don't care what you think Was terrible last year, or what might terrible happen in the coming year for you or for me? It doesn't matter. Um, What we will see today is that hope is found in Christ, and that hope is as solid as the chair that you're sitting in, even more solid than that. Um, And as we start this morning, I want to lay some groundwork for this series by first answering a few questions related to hope. First of all, what is hope? What is hope? Um, oftentimes in our cultural vernacular, we use the words hope and wish interchangeably. You know, like I hope Dad gets home in time for supper, or I sure hope it rains, or for some in this room, I sure hope it snows, or for others, I sure hope it doesn't snow, right? And and we sort of begin to think that hope then is just wishful thinking. So whenever we hear the word hope mentioned, The first place our mind goes is to wishful thinking. But that's not Christian hope. You see, the hope of a Christ follower is instead a full assurance of hope. It is a confident expectation of good things to come. It is an anchor that we can cling to and that we must cling to. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. And Now, take out your note sheet, and as you go through that, um, I would encourage you to write down the, uh, the references to all the passages that I'm going to hit on today, because there's going to be a, a pretty good slew of them. The ones that are up there uh, that says passages, that, that's like a third of them. So um, I, I want you to be able to refer back to these, because they're really important. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews six seventeen through 20. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs, that's us, of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now there's lots of stuff in that passage right there and we're not going to sit on that one today. What I want us to get from that is the fact that our hope is a future reality that is both desirable and sure for all of those who seize it, for all of those who um, secure it, for all those who take hold of it. When we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, that is the hope that we have. Abundant life in Christ is assured, both now, today, and for all of eternity. Because that is true, we should be greatly encouraged. We should never lose hope if we keep our focus on that. That is the hope that I speak of at funerals. Not wishful thinking, not we wish this person is in heaven, but this person had the hope of Christ and is in heaven. That is the hope I speak of at weddings. That is the hope that we all need to not only hear but, but speak to our neighbors and our coworkers and the people that we know on a daily basis. So hope is a secure thing. Another question is, why hope? I mean, is there really any reason that we should have that kind of hope? If it's a secure thing, then, then how is that even possible? The, the answer is, of course, yes, we should have that ki- kind of hope. And one of the reasons that we have this kind of hope is because of the incredible grace of God. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2:16 describes it for us. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. We ha- can have hope because of the grace of God, because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Grace is receiving something that we don't deserve. And he has given it to us. Colossians 1.23 also gives us a reason. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And may we never turn from that. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard. And that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. That grace is the fact, the true fact, that Jesus came, lived, died, rose again, and stands right now with the Father. And may we cling to that truth when we feel like the world is putting the pressure on us. May we cling to that truth when we feel like like this situation that we're in is impossible, that there's nothing that we could do in it. What is hope? Why could we even have hope? And a third question some might ask is this, how can I, a sinner who has no love towards God and no desire to trust Christ, ever have hope? See, if I'm always bent as a sinner away from God, how then is it even possible for me to come to God in the first place? If I have no, no, uh, I've not surrendered my life to him, I'm not really even drawn to him. Well, you don't trust Jesus right now. Here's the thing. If you're listening this morning, you're in this room or you're, you're online and you're listening and you have not trusted Christ as your savior, here is the answer to to that question that i just asked you are listening right now if you haven't been saved yet you are hearing this today and in hearing this today god is reaching into your life saying hey guess what i love you a lot and i have grace to dispense into your life come to me come to me he is saying to you today if if you're wondering if if i don't have any love towards god and no desire to trust in christ how could i ever have the hope that you're speaking to you are listening today and god is saying to you i love you and i have hope so salvation is promised to those who believe Seriously, are you paying attention to this? You are here. You were listening. He has moved you to... You may think that you're really only here because your parents made you come. You, you may think that you're only listening online because you stumbled across it. I don't believe that for one bit. God is reaching out to you. Look at this in 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ... In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God is drawing you to him. His spirit of mercy is blowing over your life. He is moving your heart towards him by you hearing what he is saying to you today. He calls us to himself and he gives us spiritual life so that a faith is born And that a living hope springs forth from what was once dry ground. Every person here, every person listening or watching online who is in Christ was once dead in their sin. None of us were bent towards God. Something had to happen. He called On us. He has given us a new birth. And my question to you this morning is: won't you stop running from Him and follow the calling of the Holy Spirit in your life and believe? Today, surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Okay, we know what hope is, we know why we can have it, we even know why us sinners. Can have hope. How then is hope sustained once it is created within us? Because we know that we have all struggled at one point in time in our life with having hope, hope for the future, hope for our families, or anything. How is hope sustained once? It is created. How do we in the midst of a divorce or the death of a loved one or a loss of a job, you name it. Whatever is going on in your life that tends to push you away from having hope and keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. What heartache tends to drag you down into the pit of despair? Well, The the answer is found in Romans chapter 15 verse 4. And it is a promise from God. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide we might have hope. Here is another source of hope for us, not that this, you know, provides that source but but this is the place where we go to look and find the promises that God has given us. Our hope is sustained by what God has said in his word. Most of the passages that I'm using today are God's encouragement that he has provided for us, and there are so many more. Maybe you would commit some to memory so that when you feel yourself at work starting to, this isn't quite as um, applicable today when you have your phone with you all the time and you can look at all of those bookmarks that you've put in your, your Bible app, but maybe you get caught off guard and you begin to be discouraged and you don't have a way to look something up, but you have something that you've committed to your memory, a verse, a passage, a truth, a promise of God. And and the Holy Spirit will bring that up and remind you to keep your eyes focused on him and not your shoelaces. May we read God's word daily, think on it all day long. God's truth will sustain the hope that he gives us as we walk our daily journey of life. And then a final question concerning hope this morning is this. What is the foundation of our hope? What what do we actually put our hope in? What do we attach our anchor to? Because the sure we are of the object or person in which our hope rests, the stronger and more sure it is. That's why our hope in Christ is so powerful in our lives. You didn't give a second thought when you sat in that chair this morning. Anybody, anybody question whether that chair was going to hold you up this morning? Yeah. Why? Why did you not? Because, well, you've, you see other people sitting in those chairs. They, they look pretty solid, um, and they are. They're, they're well built. Um, you have never witnessed, anybody witnessed anybody sitting in one of these chairs come crashing to the floor because it fell apart? None of us. You see, that's That's what happens in our everyday life when we trust in the promises of God. We see him work. um, We see him work in this situation. And when that situation happens in another instance, we go, hey, I remember back when God did this. God God is here with me now, and he can continue to do that. And and our trust grows and grows and grows. But it's not just willy-nilly, you know, again, wishful thinking. It's hope. It's a sure thing, and it's in a foundation that does not change. Uh, Titus 2, 11 through 15, and I know a couple of these are kind of big chunks, and I wish as I was reading them, I thought, man, it'd be great to spend a message. Maybe over the course of the next five weeks, we will focus on some of these. Titus two eleven through 15, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. And to purify for himself a people that are on, that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. While we wait for the blessed hope. So we're waiting for something that's a sure deal. We're waiting for something that we know for sure is going to happen. So this was a past hope. For for hundreds of years, the Israelites were waiting for the Messiah to come. They they had their hope in a future event that was going to happen, although in their minds, they were kind of wondering if it was going to. It did. It happened. Jesus came, lived the perfect life, was crucified, was raised from the dead, and now he is our high priest. We go directly to him. And now it's also our future hope because it will happen again. He's coming again. Jesus will appear again in all his glory when he returns. Be amazing if it happened in our lifetime. It might, it might not. But the security of that hope is that even if it doesn't, if our uh, if we have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, when we take our last breath, that hope that we're holding on to happens. If Jesus returns and you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that hope that you hold on to happens. It's a sure thing. Romans 8:23 says that our hope is not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit. Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We live in that hope and can every day. We wait to see our Lord face to face. We wait to have whole and healthy bodies that won't be sick anymore, and we wait with confidence to have whole and healthy souls which won't sin anymore. It's as a Christ follower. It's going to happen. That's what our hope is in. Galatians five five says, "For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness." For which we hope. Not wish for, but that we stand on, that we hope in. Lamentations 3 21 through 24. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What? This I call to mind. This I remember. He's remembering a promise. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. I say to myself, I talk to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Remind yourself, remind yourself, remind yourself of the promises and the truths that scripture tells us because those are the promises that God had writers write down for us. Hope is an essential foundation, in fact, of our saving faith. It is the wellspring. It is the source of our joy and love and courage and endurance as we walk the journey of life that we're walking right now. And as we live this way, we are able to persuade unbelievers, those who haven't trusted in Christ, and motivate believers to put their hope in the grace of God and not in themselves or ourselves or in anything that this world has to offer. And it tries and attempts to offer us a lot. Some people have their hope in the lottery. That's actually wishful thinking. My wife always says, it would be great to win the lottery. I'm like, well, first got to play it. Um, but I don't play it because I don't think God would let me win it. Because of, I, of how I think it would change me if that were to happen in my life. And she's like, well, I'd like to give it a try. <laughs> right? I mean, or, or maybe they place their hope on a good line on a basketball game. Some people place their hope in a relationship with another person that becomes their reason for living. We can't replace God with something else as our reason for living because the things of this world will always claim more than they're able to deliver. Always. All things of the earth will pass away. The things of this world are not where we should place our hope. Go ahead, take a drink of your coffee. So I want to answer this question with, again, uh, what is the foundation of our hope with three statements? And I hope I don't lose you here in the notes because I didn't do a very good job here. The first one is this. We have hope because God is so great. That is number one. We have hope because God is so great. Romans eleven thirty six, 36. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. All things. Paul reminds us, God is great because he has always been and he will always be. His greatness is permanent. It is enduring. He will never go away. Now, he is nothing like us, praise Jesus. God is great because he has and will be forever. First, Peter 1, 25 describes us. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the Lord endures forever. Uh, We are but a mist. Uh, Somebody said this morning, I can't believe January is almost over already. We're more than halfway through. Where did it go? Our whole life is that way, honestly. Uh, We are but like grass withering and flowers falling. All people, um, all flesh, some translations say, all flesh are like grass all that is not spiritual, all of our accomplishments and awards and the glory of those things are like the flowers of the field. They will will not last. Engineering glory, architectural glory, artistic and electric and atomic and computerized um, things that we figure out and that we gain, all of our greatest glories of our humankind are like the seeds on a dandelion. You just, and they're gone. Gone in a puff of wind compared to God's glory, which will always be. C.S. Lewis preached a great sermon on June 8, 1941, called The Weight of Glory, and in it he said this, Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. Not much, not worth much, won't be here long. And if the greatest glories of the world are to us as the life of a gnat, how much greater must be the glory of God in whom we have put our faith and trust, whom we hope in. God is so great because of his might and power. Colossians 1, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. It's not us that's able to figure that out and have that endurance and patience. It comes from being focused in the right place and that's on God. His power, His might gets us through all that. God is all powerful. He is almighty. He is glorious and if we want to view God's might and power and glory, we need to meditate on the scope of His power. I mean, He just created all things by speaking them into existence. Have you ever tried to speak something into existence? No. Me either, because it wouldn't work. No. We don't have that kind of power. I, I have a, uh, a book of theology that was written by a good Swede um, from Bethel Seminary. And when he was describing power, God's power, I'm super critical of him in this moment because I'm just like, Really? He says, the power of God is like that of a tractor, but greater. I'm like, what does that even mean? See, the, the, the problem when we talk about God's power, it's like talking about the national debt. The national debt is a lot of money. But do we really comprehend how much money it really is? We, we really don't. The universe is, is humongous. But do we really know how humongous it is we don't because we can't we can't tangibly make sense of that in our minds so what then do we do how then do we understand that well with the national debt you've you've seen probably the pictures of hundred dollar bills stacked up and how many hundred dollar bills what it looked like you know you got a pallet here and that's like a million dollars or you've got the Empire State Building stacked high, and that's a trillion. I don't know what they are. I didn't. This just jumped in my head at this moment. But um, the universe, what do we do? We, we try to look at our stars and our planets in relation to our planet so that we get some sort of relative understanding about how big it is. But our solar system is bigger than we can honestly comprehend, let alone our uh, galaxy and all of the other hundreds of thousands of galaxies that exist in the universe. But we need to do our best. We, we need to look at the power of God. Isaiah 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens, who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? God is saying, I did that. I can do that. Daniel 4 verse 35, all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? That's God. Now, he's a good God, and, and that is an amazing thing. We need to remember that. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. God is powerful beyond even our imagination, but we should at least try to imagine it, to feel and get a sense of how small we really are compared to an all-powerful God. So that when those trials and those struggles happen in our life, we then can compare those things to our all-powerful God. And as we cling to him as our anchor, as our rock, he will take us through those. Sometimes he'll take us around them, but usually I think he takes us right through. And we got to cling on to him. We hope... We hope in him. It's that sure thing. God is great and he is our hope. He is so great that his glory will one day even replace the sun. Revelation twenty one twenty three: The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. And the lamb is its lamp. So when you look at the sun, no, don't look at the sun. But you still do, right? Somebody says, ah, look at the beautiful sunset. You don't just look at the horizon, right? Um, When you look at the sun, remember it as a symbol of the greatness and the brightness of God's glory. And that his glory will one day replace that symbol. It will be a reality, there will come a day when we no longer need symbols, things that we try to see and look at to get a better understanding of who God is. In my, one of my systematic theology classes, we asked our professor, we said, hey, um, could you give us an illustration of the Holy Spirit uh, or of the t- Trinity, you know, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Because there's a few things out there, you know. There's the egg illustration and the, the water, you know, water, it's all one one thing, but there's frozen water, there's um, liquid water, and there's like evaporated water. Um, You know, it's still water, but each one represents a different part of that water. And, And you know what he said? He said, I won't give you one. He said, because any illustration will minimize the idea and the reality of the Trinity. And I had to respect him for that. Um, I just need to agree that it exists. That that's God. That's who God says He is. And I, I don't get it. Um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, but three persons or three parts. Or I, I don't. I don't understand it. But that's who God is. And I'm okay with that mystery. We we've got to be okay with mysteries. We we live in a culture that there is no mystery anymore. You wonder about something, what do you do? Hey Siri, right? It doesn't matter what it is. We have, for the most part, knowledge at our fingertips concerning anything. Need to know how to put a pickup in your guitar? YouTube, right? Need to know how to change whatever? YouTube. Wonder, you know, um, Roy could have looked up illustrations for how how much a, a trillion dollars is, and he could have put it up there probably in 45 seconds. We need to be okay with mystery and wonder. Because if we're not, then somehow we will take those symbols that we have made up in our minds that represent God, and it minimizes our awe of God. And, he, and, and we need to go the other direction and understand that, that we just can't know. And, and the fact that an all-powerful, forever, infinite God loves me and loves you is an amazing thing. We know and feel the greatness and glory of God. When we wonder and are in awe, admiring God's creation, We worship and rejoice because the glory belongs to the one in whom we hope. The one in whom we are sure of. Our hope is sure because of the power and might of our great God. A second part of that makes our foundation of hope sure is that the glory of God is in Jesus Christ. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, that physical thing that you brought to church this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. And if you're somebody that marks in your Bibles and these two verses aren't already underlined or highlighted, do it this morning. Um, Commit these to memory. Romans 5 verses 1 and 2. This is what it says. Maybe if you're in your, your Bible app, take a screenshot of it and put it in your favorite pictures in your photo album so you can refer to it often. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. All right, so we wait for health, we, we wait for news on a diagnosis, we wait for Jesus, we wait for righteousness, we, we, we wait for the glory of God, but we have strong confidence in and full assurance that we will share in the glory of God. So we don't have to wonder to wait and see if it works out or comes out all right. It's going to come out all right. We simply wait for it to happen because we know that the glory of God is our eternal destiny. Now, doesn't that make you smile? The fact that it's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened today. Um, It could happen tomorrow. Uh, We don't know when it's going to happen. That's why we need to be ready. That's why it's so important that we understand that God draws us to him and we surrender our life to him. There's three important, very important phrases in this passage, and I didn't give you places for these. These are under point number two. The first one is justified by faith. The second one is peace with God. And the third one is grace in which we stand. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the fact that that we as a church want to be a life-saving station. Looking out into the seas, waiting, and and looking for people who are lost, who need saved. And, And if you can get this in your head, this will help you. This will help to be a boat and oars to paddle out to that person. So let's say, if you can imagine with me this morning that you have surrendered your life to Jesus, okay? You are a Christ follower. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. You have been adopted into the kingdom. And if that's true, then this text that I just read has been fulfilled in your life. It's fact, okay. And let's say you go into work tomorrow, and you're just whistling, and you're happy, and you're joyful, and uh, because the hope of the glory of God is welling up inside of your heart, you can have you 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 can't not have hope. It's just it's just amazing, and uh, and somebody asks you at work, what are you so happy about? I mean, there's lots of things that you could answer, but, but you answer in this way. Because I know I am going to share in the glory of God. Wouldn't that make you happy? Doesn't that make you happy to know that you are one day going to share in the glory of God? That makes us happy. And then they say, how do you know that? How do you know that you're going to share in the glory of God? What, what should you answer? Yes. Yes. But what does it say? Paul says that you should answer in these three phrases. You should say, I know I'm going to share in the glory of God because I have been justified by faith. And because I am justified, I live at peace with God. And because I stand in the center of God's grace. Those things are true. And if they say, and just how did you get access into the center of God's glory? into the center of God's grace. Then you will answer with verse number two. And you say, through Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me. Because of Jesus, God acquitted me of all my sin and considers me righteous in his sight. Because of Jesus, I am now reconciled to God. Because of Jesus, we are no longer enemies, but friends. And because of Jesus, I have access into his grace where i am as safe and secure as a baby in his mother's arms and when you're struggling with life and you feel like you're losing hope that's where you need to recenter yourself and then you'll have the opportunity to say what i'm going to say to you right now and that's this don't you want to share in the glory of god Don't you want to experience joy and peace in life? No, no longer fearing what might happen to your soul when you die. No longer fearing that there might be a, a, a mean, nasty God out there who's just waiting for you to screw up, to stomp on you. You see, he doesn't operate that way. If you turn from your sin, believe in Jesus Christ as your Messiah, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord He then gives you the justification. He justifies you before an all-powerful God. He gives peace with God. He gives grace and mercy. And therefore, our hope in the glory of God is not built on sand. It is as sure as the reality and character of Jesus Christ himself. We have a strong foundation of hope because the glory of God is very great and because the glory of God is a sure hope in Jesus Christ. And the third and final point is this, and it's not so much a point as it is an opportunity for us to respond, and it's this, the hope of the glory of God fills the heart with joy and exaltation. Doesn't it fill yours? Now, that's easy to say sitting in here together with everyone and you left everything outside the doors and you came in here and, and you're, you're able to center your mind and your heart on, on Jesus Christ. But you see, when we go out there, we don't leave our hope in here. We always have that hope. No matter if you get up on the wrong side of the bed or not. No matter if you didn't get that cup of coffee or not. No matter if life completely falls apart and the wheels, you wonder where on earth did the wheels even go. That's when you stop and you go, wait a minute. Did I have my hope in that wheel? Did did I have my hope in my health? or my finances or that relationship or whatever no we re, we need to take our eyes off of our feet and the things out there and we need to put them right up there and we need to cling to the hope that is Jesus Christ we we rejoice we revel in the hope of the glory of God the, the reason we can always rejoice in God is not that the Christian life is easy anything but The reason is that the glory of God is great beyond all imagination, and in Jesus Christ, it is the rock sure. And so rejoice. Rejoice in glorious hope. Our Lord the Judge shall come and take his servants up to their eternal home. Lift up your heart. Lift up your voice. Rejoice again, I say. Rejoice. And in the last part of our service, we're going to do that with our voices um, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning, and I pray, Father, that the excitement that was created in me as I prepared this message today would, oh, Father, I pray that, that you would well that up in each one of us as we think about the hope, the hope that we have in, in Christ. Help us, help us, Father, to see and Experience how great you are. Help us not to be so focused on the things of our world and our life and our problems and even maybe our successes. Help us to focus instead on you. As we continue down the road that is 2022 and, and beyond, may we see that nothing is impossible with you. Nothing. Nothing is impossible with you. It's not, and and we don't even necessarily need to know what you're going to do next. We just need to be ready to respond to that, whatever it is. I pray, Father, you give us opportunities to share how great you are with those that we love and those that don't know you. And help us, Father, also to to encourage one another in the promises that you have given us in your word. (laughs) We all need to hear them. And now, Father, draw our hearts, center us on you as we worship you with our voices in Jesus' name. Amen.